0: Well, good morning still, almost afternoon. Uh, My name's Chris, one of the teaching pastors here. Excited to be with you today as we are getting ready uh, to kick off uh, a new series, but also, more importantly, uh, our small group launch. And so if you've been hanging out with us for a little bit, you know that we've been kind of ramping up to this day. And what we're asking is that everyone would get involved into a small group. And so over the next 10 weeks, we're going to be doing a, a new series on the 10 commandments and as uh, we do the 10 commandments together we're hoping that you get plugged into a small group to where you can digest what it is uh, that we're talking about that you can uh, join a small group and uh, again uh, you know have a great time and get to know some people and so we hope that you would make that a priority we're going to have some small group leaders here after the service uh, so you can kind of get an idea of, on who's leading and, and where so really 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 excited about that I, I know for me personally Uh, Some of the most impactful times in my life have been when uh, a small group has rallied around us, maybe prayed for us in in a difficult season or situation, or that we've been able to to grow in and to be challenged. And so uh, we truly hope that you would somehow make a a priority to get into a small group for a 10-week commitment. So make sure you check it out. Um, Awesome, we're getting started. So uh, does anybody in here, by chance, no one's got it yet, does anybody know how many laws there are in the United States of America? Right? That's a trick question. No one actually knows how many laws there are, right? Uh, last check would say that there's somewhere from 15,000 to 15, 000, or 50,000 federal laws. And of those laws, some 20,000 are on, can you guess what, right? Firearms, right? And so there's no doubt that we need laws. Laws to govern, laws to protect, laws to set order, laws to keep us in track, But I did some research, and there are some really, really wacky laws out there. I mean, Google is a great thing. Anybody not know what Google is in here? Okay, good. We're good. So I Googled some laws, and and I've just come up with a few that I wanted to share with you. In the state of Arkansas, it is illegal to pronounce the name Arkansas incorrectly. Has anybody said Arkansas? Right? Yes, you have. I did it all through elementary. My teacher had to correct me and I still want to do it. Arkansas. It's Arkansas, I think. Anybody from Arkansas in here? I get that right? Wrong? Okay, good. (laughs) Georgia. In Georgia, you are not allowed to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket ever. (laughs) Is that just weird? Like, that's literally a law. Like, who would want to do that first? I remember growing up as a young teenager, we did a lot of weird things, you know, like crisscross. We used to wear our pants backwards and stuff. Ice cream cones, weird. Tennessee, and I know that this is going to impact some of you. In Tennessee, it's illegal to share your Netflix password with anyone. (laughs) Yeah, you're laughing because you know you did it. (laughs) Exactly. Or you've taken your mom's because you don't want to pay, right? That's what I've done. Why is it that they raise the prices like every month? It's like a couple bucks. I mean, you're not, they're always taking away movies, not adding. That's not fair. Okay. Maryland. Now, if, the, if none of these have applied to you, I guarantee this one will. In Maryland, you're breaking the law if you swear while driving on the freeway. <laughs> yep. Thank God that, that is not a law in Utah because every single one of us would be in jail, Right? Like, how many times does, do people need to understand that it is a state law that you can't drive 55 miles an hour in the fast lane, right? You have to get over. And it's not just Utah drivers, man. I, how many Idaho drivers do you see in the fast lane? <laughs> Come on, you Idaho people. Any Idaho people in here? There are so many crazy laws you know when we start the series you know oftentimes when it comes to this idea of religion or the 10 commandments or structure or god's law we have this idea uh, that we that, that it comes across as negative Right? You might be thinking, I, I don't want to be tied down by a list of, of rules, of spiritual do's and don'ts. Right, There's these lists of regulations, all of these things. Who wants to be held back by some laws that God created that he gave to some people many years ago that, that I don't even really know anything about? Right. Well, here's the good news about the Ten Commandments. When it comes to our relationship with God... The Ten Commandments aren't a way for him to smother us with rules and regulations. It's not a way for him to uh, lord over us and to judge us and to condemn us. In fact, it's just the opposite. The reason why God created the Ten Commandments for his people was to give them an understanding of what it meant to live a blessed, full life. He wanted to protect them. He wanted to give them orders he wanted to give them a structure on how things were supposed to happen. And you know, many of us, if we, if we haven't, aren't familiar or haven't read the Ten Commandments, you might think they begin by saying, you know, here are a list of rules to follow or else, right? I am God, and if you don't do these things, I'm going to judge you. You better do what I say. But that's not how the Ten Commandments Start. In fact, before God even lists out rules and regulations, before he even sets a list of boundaries or laws for us to follow, he reveals his heart to his people. Listen to what it says at the very beginning in Exodus 20, verse 2. It says, "'I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery.'" You see, this verse, before he gets into giving us rules and regulations, he's reminding them of his love and care and compassion for them. He's saying, remember when you were enslaved. Remember when you led and went your own way and Pharaoh took over and you were enslaved for years in slavery. Remember that I, the Lord your God, did everything in my power to lead you out of that. He says, hear my heart. You see, God isn't about a God of rules and regulations and guidelines. He is a God who has our best in mind. He's a God who loves us and cares about us, and he's about helping his people. And so if we, if we take a look at the context of the time, when we look at the Ten Commandments and who they're originally written to, Uh, You can find these commandments in two places, Exodus chapter 20, uh, you can bookmark that because that's where we're going to be pretty much for the the next 10 or so weeks, but it's also referenced again in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and it's just a retelling of God's laws, but if you remember, if you've heard the stories, maybe you've read it, maybe you're familiar, in Exodus chapter 20, God had just led his people out of that slavery, And so for many years, Pharaoh had overcome them, and they were in uh, just a a very difficult time and scenario. They were overcome. They were held captive, and Egypt was the powerhouse, and they were causing them and affecting them, and, and they were making them do things that they didn't want to do. And so God stepped in, and he did something very miraculous. You know, you, he, he did the plagues. He brought the plagues upon Pharaoh. And, and and after a while, he raised up Moses to lead his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and back into right relationship with God. And so when we find ourselves here in Exodus chapter 20, uh, God's people are, are now with him. Israel is with God, and they're in a place called Mount Sinai. And what he does is, is he... Establishes a covenant with them. He he does a promise. He makes a new covenant with his people, and it's called the Mosaic Covenant. And this covenant, basically, what it is, is it's an agreement between God and his people. And what he's doing is he's setting and establishing healthy guidelines for people to understand right living. So basically what he's saying is that I am God and I'm now giving you order and everything that that you've done and you've tried to do on your own, I'm now giving you the right way to do it so that if you follow this, we can be in relationship and it can be healthy and whole. In other words, he's saying if you follow these things, you will have a flourished, blessed, God-honoring life because I am the one who has established it. And so the, the Ten Commandments are the focal point of that covenant, of that Mosaic covenant. And so in the Ten Commandments, uh, they're, they're known as a couple different commandments. The first four are known as vertical commandments. And so what those are is that's us and our relationship with God, if you think of the vertical commandment, So it establishes our relationship with God, how we're supposed to act with him, how we're supposed to worship him, how we're supposed to do, do these things. And so the next six commandments or are, are what are known as uh, horizontal commandments and that establishes how we deal with our relationship with people. So we have our understanding of how we're supposed to live in accordance in a relationship with God, vertical commandments, into horizontal ca- commandments which is how then do we live in relationship with people. And so, with that context and that understanding, it's important to know that the the Ten Commandments weren't brought to be a smothering, you know, a a list of rules and regulations that if you didn't follow, you were going to be condemned or you were going to be judged or that you were going to be, you know, mistreated by God. Instead, what it is, is it's God demonstrating his love and his grace for his people. And he's saying, listen, in order to have a life of full, rich blessing in order to have a life that I have established for you, the one who created life, here is what you need to do. And so, yes, God did lay out some rules, and we'll, we'll talk about some of these things that may seem like regulations and guidelines, but he was setting up healthy boundaries. Now, I have three very young kids, 12 10 and my daughter just turned 7 and we're learning we're still navigating like how to 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 set healthy boundaries as parents and I remember I was the youth pastor here many many years ago at Alpine Church and when it came to like other people's kids I was really good about giving advice like I could tell you how to raise your kids on how, how to do relationships and why they shouldn't do this and do that but the minute you bring my kid into the picture I'm a basket case I have no idea what's going on my, my son is in seventh grade. He's a preteen. Does anybody have teenagers in this room? Yeah. Do they, it's like all of a sudden from sixth grade to seventh, he thinks he knows literally everything. Like, and I'm an idiot, right? Like, I haven't been alive, you know, for 39 years. It's crazy. Just, just last night we were, we were talking about, um, you know, some things. And, and he was saying, you know, Dad, uh, there's this party. There's this birthday party. You know, he said birthday party because party sounds bad, right? There's this birthday party that I've been invited to, and all my friends are going, and, and all of this stuff. And, and so he was just telling us a little bit about this party, and then the truth came out at the very end. He said, and Dad, girls are going to be there. And I said, what? What is a girl, right? I have no idea. I said, no, you're not going to a party with girls. You're 12, you know? And my wife is like, just hold on a second. My wife's always the voice of reason, right? She, she's the, she's the, the wise and the... A good one and she said okay here's what we're gonna do and I'm like no we're not gonna do anything I'm taking his phone he's not having you know text it's going out the window we're not doing any of that stuff he would be locked up in his room for the rest of his life I don't care I'll homeschool him right whatever I don't know <laughs> all because of a girl you know I'm all I'm all hot up here talking about it I'm not half <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing well so my wife says listen here's here's the thing Ashton we are your parents and we care and we love we love you we love you. And so we're going to allow you to do this, but we want to have some healthy boundaries set in place here. And I'm like, yeah, we do, yeah. What <laughs> she said, and she said, well, what I need you to do is I need you to get the name and um, number of this girl's mom, and I'm going to give her a call, and I'm going to find out about the party. And he's looking at her like, what? You're weird, you know? <laughs> and she's like, well, that's the boundary. And so she, she ended up calling. He got the number, and, and she called. And, and this lady said, you know, I appreciate that you would Call us and try to figure out where your son is going to be. And this is what's going on. There's going to be all the supervision. And, and I'm like, yeah, see, we know what we're doing. Or my wife does, right? <laughs> but you see, you have these healthy boundaries that we set up. We set up for our kids. We set it up in our marriage. We set it up in all of these different things. And, and, and God is saying, listen, I have healthy boundaries for you. I mean, these aren't things for me to, to, to be an authoritarian or for me to, to, to drill you down with things that you can't do. These are healthy, loving, caring, caring boundaries that I have for you. And if you follow them, you will experience life. You see, oftentimes for us, we, we look at these commandments and we think, oh, those were just, just for people back then. That was for the Israelites. What does this have to do for me? Well, in reality, it has a lot to do for us. In fact, it could be great good for us. Do you know that we were to follow the Ten Commandments, if we were to follow God's law in order, we wouldn't have to have locks on our doors, right? We wouldn't have to come up with, you know, parenting tactics. We wouldn't have to have... Marital counseling. We wouldn't have to have prisons and and court systems and judges and all of these things. But you see, what happens is is when God establishes and lays out things, we always, from the very beginning of time, when sin entered the world, to even to now, we want to make it our own. We want to do what we want to do, right? That's the very definition of sin. And God was saying, listen, I know who you are. I know you're my people. I have called you. I've chosen you. And so I'm giving you boundaries. You know, it's important to understand that for Israel, they were under the the, the Mosaic uh, Covenant, but for us, things have changed. We are here after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and so everything changes when it comes to the Ten Commandments, and we're going to talk about that in weeks to come. And with that understanding, we have to dig a bit deeper to to see how these things can apply to our life, just how his laws apply to us today. And and my hope and my prayer for myself and for you in this series is that you would look at these commandments as we dig through them together, as we look into God's word, that we wouldn't see it as God wanting to control and to, to, to smother us with his Rules and laws, but instead, he wants us to be closer in relationship to him and his son, Jesus Christ. You know, if, if you're a lot like me, you're not really good with people telling you what to do, right? And I, I don't think many people are. You know, you, you think of, even in my relationship with God, like, there's a lot of things that I really want to do, but there's just some things that I do want to do. And even though it says not to do them, I just want to do them. You know, when you see the, the 65 mile per hour speed limit sign, we always want to go to 75, Right? It's that unspoken, like, yeah, 10, 10 over, you're fine. You're not going to get a ticket. Well, then you go to 80, right? You know, and it's all of these things, like, don't tell me what to do or what not to do because I'm going to do the opposite anyways, right? And I think that's, that's how we are when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our relationship with God. Like, we look at God as this this. this creature and this being in the distance that he's looking down and he's saying listen i'm going to, you have to do all of these things instead what god is doing is saying i'm giving you boundaries healthy ones and i want you to follow them and when you do we will be closer to me than you've ever been god is giving us right relationship with him and with others would you pray with me lord god i just pray that as we dig into your commands as we dig into your word that it would as your word says, that it would speak life, that it would penetrate our hearts and our minds, that it would draw us nearer to you, that God, as we look into what you established so many years ago for your people, how we can apply that to our lives today, and how today, God, we can make you the priority in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen. So. Without any further delay, we're going to jump in to the first commandment, and uh, today specifically we're going to be looking at uh, no other God before me. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up. Uh, again, bookmark it. We're going to be hanging out here in just a little, for just a little bit. Uh, Exodus 20, verse 3. This is the very first commandment command that God gives. After he's reminding them of his heart for them, as he's reminding them of of what he's brought them through, how he cares about them and loves them, he now jumps into, okay, here's what I'm going to establish in my rules and my laws for you. He says, you must not have any other God but me. You see, in, in the ancient world, in Israel, in that time, there were a lot of gods, And what people would do is they would have God, but then they would look to another God for some other thing. As a matter of fact, many of the tribes, the nations, the people groups, they would have their own God. And this God was known to have power over their region, or it was a limited power or a limited God. And so what God is doing is he's radically changing their perspective on God. He's saying to them, literally, there is one God. There is one creator God. There is one God who's not a regional Lord. He's not limited in power. He is the almighty God of the universe. He is the God who spoke everything into motion. He's the God who knows every moment of your day. He's the God who knows every single star in the sky. He spoke all of that into existence, and he says, I am that God. And he's saying that you shall not have any other god before me. And so what he's saying is that anything that you've made your own, basically, you know, you've been in a relationship with me, but you're, you've been trying to, to bring some of this in, or to, to worship Baal, or worship all these other gods. He's saying that none of that works. None of it is anything. I am the only God. And so what he's saying is, I demand. Your attention, I demand your allegiance, I demand your loyalty, I demand your honor, I demand your worship, I demand your service. I am God. And you know, if if you have been to Sunday school or you've read the Old Testament, isn't it a sad but true story that time and time and time again the people went their own way, didn't they? God had brought them out of you know slavery, and what was the first thing that they did? They weren't satisfied, and so they wanted to to build another idol or another god. They wanted to worship another god, and you see, it always led bad for them. And then God would come in, and he would rescue and restore them, and then he would lead them away again. And what would they do? They'd find something else to worship. They were never, ever satisfied. And we have the same problem today, don't we? You know, it's not that we, we worship Baal, but we do worship little G gods I mean, think about it in your life. What, what are some things that, that you love? You know, money and, and comfort and pleasure and your spouse and, and your kids and the Atlanta Falcons, right? All of these things. Like, these are things that we love, but are we putting them ahead of God? You know, oftentimes things are so innocent and, and things are, are so, uh, you know, all-consuming in everyday lives that we, that we truly miss out on and on not understanding that we... Do put other things in front of God all of the time. All of the time. You see, what God is saying is, listen, I am the only thing. I am the creator. I am the one who knows every moment of your day. I know what you need before you need it. I know what you don't need. I know everything about you. And you see, what do we do? We try to become God, and we try to make it our own. We try to do these things. You see, God says, listen, that is not going to get you in into a healthy, life-filled, joy-filled life. Now, even though we live in a very, very different world from ancient Israel, right, we live in a, a, a different time, I think that we can look at every commandment, not just this one, and pull out points and application on, on how we can apply it to our lives. And today I want to just list three things. The first is this, is that we too need to understand that there is one creator God. There is one God. You know, we live in a world, we live in a time of many gods, of many different religions and philosophies and ideas of religion and spirituality. There's this unending amount of of thoughts on, on what I believe to be true or spiritual or any of these things. But the Bible is very, very clear. And this isn't for me. This is God. And he does it not only just in, in Exodus 20, but he does it all throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 44.6, this is what the Lord says. Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord of heaven's armies. I am the first and I am the last. There is no other God. This is one God of all people. He's the creator of all. He's the Lord of all. He isn't just the God of Christians. He is the God of everyone. You see, he is the only God. You know, this, what does this mean for us then today? Well, it means that we have to, to be able to refute and to be able to stand up to our faith and to our beliefs. What you believe, I mean, how many times has anybody said, what you believe is good for you, but it's not necessarily good for me. Right, we've heard that. And so we don't want to buck the trend, right? We don't want to make things uncomfortable. So yeah, go ahead, believe what you're supposed to believe. Believe what you want to believe, right? Or how about this one? I remember growing up, you know, and having conversations when I had just kind of given my life to the Lord. You know, I I believe that. I believe the same thing you believe. You know, you tell somebody about your faith, yeah, I believe that too. Well, when you really know that they don't. You see, there is one God, and we have to understand that no one, People don't believe the same thing that we believe. Unless we understand who God is in the Bible, we don't understand God at all. There is no other way. You know, what we believe about God and, and what you believe about God and what I believe about God is very, very important. It's very, very important. And if our life isn't all about the one creator God, then we've missed it. And not only was God saying that to to his people, but I believe that he's saying that to us today. I am God. There is no other God before me. There is no other faith, belief. There is no other anything else. I am the one and only God. What we believe about him matters. And, And, you know, many of us think that we can have God and we can have something else. Or we can have God and have other things. But that's just not what he says. In fact, this leads us to our next point. It's this, is that you can't serve two masters. You know, rarely, rarely in Israel's history did they ever just serve God. After everything that God did for them, they rarely just gave allegiance and worship to God. They would serve God and they would serve someone else. They would honor and worship God and they would honor something else. They would build altars and idols, and we'll talk about that next week. But here's the thing, that was a clear violation of God's command. That's a clear violation. And this isn't new. All throughout church history and even t- t- today, this isn't something new. You see, what we do is we, we put our spin on things and people get in the way and we have our religious beliefs and we think that this way is the right way, right? I mean, even in the, in the early Middle Ages, uh, when Islam began to take over, I mean, the Christians came under uh, persecution and attack. And what they would do is, is they would grab onto God, but they would also look into Islam. And so it never worked for them. And we, we do the same thing today. You know, like, man, God says to do this in his word, but I'm going I'm to fudge it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to biff it just a little bit. I'm going to tweak things to, to line up to be what I want to be, right? But God's saying, listen, you can't do that. You can't serve your life and me. It's only me. Listen to what Jesus said. One of of his teachings in Matthew 6, he says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. And he goes on to say, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I think it's interesting that he does that there. I think he was saying this on a bigger context than just money, (laughs) But I think he does it because he knows that what money does to people. But Jesus isn't saying, listen, you can't have two jobs. He's not saying that you can't have multiple job choices. You know, I remember when I was the youth pastor here, and we had just started in Brian Dwyer's backyard. I mean, this was many, many, many years ago. And I had just gotten off out of Bible school, and I came back home to Utah, and he's like, man, we really need a youth pastor. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. How much are you going to pay me? He's like, well, we got 50 bucks a month. And I was like, what? <laughs> so then my wife went to work, you know, and she began, she was the sugar mama for a little bit. But then I was like, well, that probably doesn't work, right? So, so I went down, and we had just built the Riverdale building, and, and uh, I had driven by, you know, to work every day, Riverside Golf Course. And I'm like, I'm just going to go in there and, and see if they have a job. I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible golfer, or I was. Still am, but better than I was. And I walked in there, I was like, hey, can I have a job? And they're like, yeah, we'll hire you. So I was on the grounds crew. And I remember every day I worked from 5 a.m. to noon, like doing weed eating and all this stuff. And all I could do was think about the church. Man, I can't wait to get back to the church. I can't wait. Wednesday night, man, I cannot wait to go tell young people about Jesus, what God's done in my life. I am so passionate and excited. I can't wait to tell just a, one young person that God loves them. And you see what happened was is that I was like daydreaming. I remember a couple times where I'm sitting on oh, there's a little river there just looking over there thinking, man, well, this is some, you know, like. But see what Jesus is doing is he's saying, listen, it's not just in jobs, but it's in everything. How much more in life? How much more in the things that you have or that you want? You can't have more than one thing. If I am not the priority, you're in trouble, and what, he, what Jesus is using is he's using slavery language. He's saying, listen, you can't be loyal to one and not the other because what's going to happen is you're going to honor one more than the other and you're going to despise the other one. And how much more is it in your faith? How much more is it when it comes to God? You can't serve two masters. And you might be thinking, well, what does this mean? You know, like I, lo- I love God, but I love my job. Some of us. I love God and, and I love my family, right? I love my spouse, I love my kids. Like, am I not supposed to do that? I'm just supposed to give allegiance to God and not worry about anything else? Well, well Jesus is clear. There's room for God to be the ultimate priority in your life. He's not saying that you shouldn't have other relationships, that you shouldn't have other things, but he's saying that I have to be the number one priority in your life. Do you, do you love your job more than you love God? Do you love your kids and your spouse, more than you love God. Is God the priority? And does his plans line up with the rest of the plans that you have for your life? You know, I, I think this is this is so hard for us, <laughs> you know, because we feel like we're here, he's there, like, you know, like, I know what's going on in my life, maybe he does, <laughs> I mean, I guess he's God, you know, and what we do is we try to do things on our own, and, and most often than not, we're let down, or we're, we're in difficult relationships and all these things because we've tried to do it on our own. And God's saying, listen, if I'm the number one priority in your life, I will take care of everything else. I will give you what you need. I will lead you to where I want you to go. I might take something away from you that I know that's bad for you in your life. And even though it hurts, I know it's best. You see, if we line our priorities up with God, vertical, then he knows that everything else overflows with his goodness. When we choose God, he does what's best for us. He gives us what we need. He leads us and he guides us and he directs us. Is God the priority in my life? Is God the priority in your life? I and mean, that's a question that only you can answer for you. You know, my hope and prayer for you is, would be that, that on a daily, it's like, God, am I doing things that line up with you and your direction in my life? God, am I leading my family in a way that honors you? God, am I leading my workplace in a way that honors you? God, am I doing what you're asking me to do instead of being like, man, I'm gonna do whatever I wanna do? Now remember what we said earlier that Jesus changes all of the commandments. Jesus changes everything. In fact, if you try and follow the 10 commandments, we'll never get it. We're sin-filled people. So how does Jesus affect the commandment for us today? How does his life And his death and his resurrection affect us today. Well, that's our last point. For us, you see, God is revealed in Jesus Christ. And so what that means for us is that we have the opportunity to experience God in Jesus, a relationship with God. You know, the Israelites, they had to make a shift from thinking of their God as one of many gods to God being the only God. And as the Bible goes on, if if you're a follower of Christ in this room and and you've gotten into God's word, you begin to realize that there's more to God than we might first think. There's more to him. The Bible shows us that God is, is the Trinity, to where there's God the Father who is the creator of all things, and that he sent his son, literally himself, in the flesh to this earth. He stepped down from the glory of heaven and he came here and he lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death that you and I deserved, every single one of us. And the Bible says that he defeated death, he rose to new life, he came onto the scene and he told some of his closest people what to do, and he was ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1. And what God did at that point was he gave himself in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we accept his sacrifice, Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, you will be saved. And what happens is if you believe that, God's presence, the very presence of the Almighty God, takes residence in our hearts and gives us his power and his direction and his leading. You see, in Hebrews 1, it says this, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful world. You see, Jesus is God himself. And this creates a massive change in how we think about God. It's not just enough to believe in God. It's not just enough to say, yes, God is God. We have to, the only way to salvation is in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name in heaven by which we must be saved. You see, salvation comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. For you and for me. You know, When God says to his people in Exodus chapter 20 where he says, listen, I have come and remember that I have granted you, I have saved you, I have brought you out, I have rescued you from slavery. Do you know what he says to you and me today through his son Jesus Christ? He says, I am giving you rescue. Rescue. See, this isn't a God who's judging or condemning your sin or what you've done or will ever do that. Instead, he's saying, listen, I did something about it even greater than the Ten Commandments. In in fact, moving away from the Mosaic Covenant, what I have done is I have set a new covenant with you. And that new covenant is my blood. And as I shed my blood and my body was broken on the cross, the covenant that I made with you is that if you come to me, if you believe in me, if you follow me, I will give you life both to the full and for eternity. And see what he does with the Ten Commandments through his son Jesus Christ as he now shortens them. You know what Jesus said? Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then he says what? Love others. See, that's the command. God reveals himself to us in Jesus Christ. We accept him. We believe in him. He gives us new life. And then we are to tell other people about him so that one day his people can stand in front of him and he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in and spend eternity with me. Give me glory and honor for all days. Man, I cannot wait until that day. You know, it's important to understand that when we look at the Ten Commandments, they're not a pathway to saving ourselves. It's not a pathway to, to being good or good enough or doing the right thing. We will never be good enough. That's not how it works. The Ten Commandments shows us how far we are from God's glory. Romans 3.20, for all falls short of the glory of God. And what it does is it shows us how desperately we need a Savior. We need Jesus Christ. And that the only way to come to God, the only way to only put God first, is to put our faith in his son. If you haven't done that, I ask that you would consider that today, that he would change your life for eternity. God is meant to be the highest priority in our lives. When we hear, when we hear you should not have any other God before me, what he's saying is, is I want everything. Is God my priority? Is God your priority today? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, there are are things in my life that I've allowed to, to get in the way. And I know that in a room of this size, there are many people who have things in their life that they have allowed to get in the way. God, we all thank you that you don't look at us with an eye of judgment or condemnation. God, you are longing to give us your mercy and your love and your grace So God, I pray that that would be our heart today, that we wouldn't walk away from here in sadness or in sorrow or or leveraged or overcome or burdened, God, but instead we would be able to release everything that we've held on to at your feet and that you would give us your love and your mercy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.